Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Looks like we're live. It does look like we're live, doesn't it? It does. Todd, what are we doing here, man? This, You know what, for the listeners out there, it's probably weird because, or now the watchers, because normally we're on a podcast, right? Yeah. This is, uh, this is a little different, man. Yeah, so this is Craft Brewed Agile. What we thought of, and we were talking about um, actually at a craft brewery, Ryan and I, is that uh, we'd create a YouTube channel sampling some of our local craft beers and have some fun conversations about agility. And so that's what we're going to do today for the first time. Episode one, Craft Brewed Agile. So I think we've got some ground rules here. So first of all, we have to show up with a beer. Right? Yeah. We have to show up with uh, some kind of beer that we like. Um, craft brewed though, cannot be a mass produced beer. And so I am, I'm rocking, uh, off the square brewing They're in crown point, Indiana, and it is their off, off square 65 South Pilsner. So oh, I'm going right to pour me myself a glass of that. I'm a big fan of Pilsners. Uh, we're going to see how this goes, but, uh, off the square is usually pretty amazing. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to rock that Todd, what are you going to drink? Yeah, so one of my um, favorite locals uh, is a brewing company called uh, South County. They're in Fawn Grove, Pennsylvania, and I just happened to run across some Cosmic Nod, which is a 5% pale ale. Uh, it's delicious. It's great for any time of year. Uh, they got some pretty sweet labels, and that's what I am going to be rocking today. Yeah, so for the, the beer nuts out there, this is a, an ABV of 5%, an IBU of 20 um, and it actually like this thing looks pretty clean, pretty crisp. I think I'm going to enjoy this. So I can't give all those, um, stats that you just gave there, Ryan, <laughs> mine's 5%. And you can see this is a nice, uh, nice hard to see through pale ale, which is exactly how I like them. Very cool. All right, man. So while we're drinking, the whole point is not just to drink beer, <laughs> although that would, just hanging out with you 30 minutes for, with a beer would be fine, Todd, but, uh, what are we doing? Yeah. So one of the things that we thought we would do is start out with a little bit of fun, right? Uh, so uh, this week's question, and Ryan, I'm going to really curious to see what your answer is. Uh, what is the most evil fictional 
product owner that you can think of? Oh man. So the most evil fictional product. So I've been racking my brain on this. Um, I've been trying to, but I, I decided I'm instantly going back to childhood here. I'm thinking um, for me growing up, the most evil product owner that was around was Cobra Commander. Yes. You remember Cobra Commander? I do. I absolutely remember the, Cobra the Commander. The old, uh, the old GI Joe, um, cartoon. I mean, that was like a staple. I think every Saturday morning. No, it was actually after school every day. I think, and uh, we'd have to sit down and watch it. It seems like Cobra Commander was always trying to take over the world. He always had these dastardly plans. Um, he could never quite, um, he could never quite pull it off. But uh, it was like the evil laugh. I think the mask also like helped add to the. Uh, Add to the add to the scariness of the of him as a product owner. But if you think about it, he was actually a horrible product owner, right? He yeah. uh, he could never quite uh, work with his team effectively. Uh, it seems like his troops were always getting beat. He never quite gave them all the tools they needed, um, and it seems like his plans were just kind of half baked. And he never could quite succeed in taking over the world. And I think that was, uh, you know, he, he not only is he an evil product owner, he's a pretty disappointing one as well. Yeah, I guess you know, on that topic too, you could say a lot of the people underneath that product, or if you want to use the term underneath, um, they they, uh, they operated by fear a, a lot, didn't they? Yeah, they did. He was always, uh, it was never like a collaborative uh, ag- arrangement. He was always yelling, physically abusive, <laughs> shrieky. I mean, yeah, he was uh, he's definitely not a partner to the to his team. He was definitely right. more of a, let's, let's, uh, Let's lead through fear. I agree. Yeah. Cobra commander. Yeah. I like it. That's a good one. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, I think it's a good poll. I, I miss the old school cartoons. I don't understand the new ones. <laughs> Me and, my, and neither do I. So um, do you want to hear mine? Where, which, yeah. Which, who did you land on? I, I thought about this for a long time. I, for and when I say long time, like two days, I'm going to go with star Wars and I'm going to go with Palpatine, right? Whoa. And okay. yeah, what, I, what I'm thinking when I'm thinking of Palpatine is I'm thinking of the Death Star, right? A product and thinking about Palpatine and uh, what a clear evil vision Palpatine has, right? To be able to rule the universe, rule the universe. Uh, and same, same kind of things I'm hearing, you know, about Cobra Commander that uh, by fear, right? How many people did what he wanted out of fear from, from the engineering side of the house to, you know, stormtroopers or whatever you, um, so I'm, I'm rolling with Palpatine. What do you think about that? I, I think Palpatine's a pretty bad product owner too. He, uh, <laughs> he had some longevity. Um, he definitely uh, managed to survive more things than he should have, uh, probably should have been fired a lot sooner, <laughs> but the dark Lord of the Sith did manage to hang on to his role far longer than most expected. Yeah. Well, and, so I've, I, uh, I fact check this. I have some buddies that are really hardcore Star Wars guys. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty into Star Wars, but I'm not like down into the details. So anybody watching this, if you're, if you're, if, if I am factually incorrect about anything with Star Wars, I'm a surface Star Wars guy, not like own and know every detail of it. But we were talking about how um, Palpatine has, uh, you know, these hardcore uh, managers uh, like Darth Vader, right? Darth Vader is to go there and uh, put his vision into action with an iron fist, right? Or most recently <laughs> with the newer movies, uh, Kylo Ren, right? Um, so uh, interesting how that might relate to some environments we've seen and been in before, huh? 
I think that's accurate. I think, uh, yeah, his lieutenants, you know, his, his management team you know, left a lot to, to be desired. And in fact, both of them ended up turning away from his teachings, ended yeah. up uh, turning back to the light side and moved on with, uh, with light. yeah, you know, maybe they failed a little bit. But in the end, they ended up doing the right thing, just not what the product owner wanted. It's true. And inevitably kind of turned on him, right? To some extent, really kind of turned on him. So I want, so that's interesting, right? So what if a dev team, so maybe this will get a little serious, right? It's kind of fun to tee up a question, but maybe this led to um, kind of a cool topic. You know, have you ever seen an instance, Todd, where a dev team almost revolted on a product owner, where a dev team basically said, look, we don't think this is the right thing to do. We don't think that this is, uh, this is the right direction. And uh, we're, we're going to change that. We're going we're gonna to move you in a path that we think is right. And if you don't come with us, we're, we're out. You know, you asked that question. And one particular example that I can think of is, uh, I, you know, I was doing some consulting at a place and the uh, development team uh, really absolutely did not agree with the direction that the product owner was taking it. You know, the product owner presented their product backlog in a sprint planning session and the development team basically revolted. And uh, they, they called me, you know, saying Todd's going to, you know, stick up for the development team and that's going to be that. And we're going to have Todd negotiate, you know, the scrum master was fairly new scrum master. And really what it came down to is that product owner wasn't evil, you know, like, like Palpatine. Right. But right. really didn't um, disseminate the information in a way that the development team could understand why what they were working on was valuable. And so the development team expected me to say, yeah, development team rules, they don't agree, so they're not going to do it. And I actually sided with the product owner. Um, I actually, I, I think the product owner had a whole bunch of knowledge from traveling to different client sites that they didn't do a great job of telling the development team. But once the development team understood, they could get behind it. And it, it was actually kind of a hard lesson for everybody involved. Uh, the development team who quickly found out that, yes, they do serve the product owner. And then the product owner um, really kind of becoming to understand that they need to get the development teams, you know, on their side and, and in line with their vision and understanding what they're doing and give them the information and some, uh, some why behind that. Does that any of that resonate with you, Ryan? Yeah, it, it totally does. And I've seen plenty of instances where dev teams had to jump in and just say, look, there's too much tech debt to do what you're asking for. Um, the, the, it's technically impossible. And uh, if we don't, if we don't change direction here, if we don't make some adjustments, if we don't fix what's happening, you know, we're just building more junk on top of more junk, and this is going to go really bad. And uh, I think we have to be super careful of that. And so why, you know, scrum masters, they're listening for that, for those discrepancies in the conversation, they're listening for those disagreements, they're, they're trying to make sure that um, all those considerations are being heard. And if a dev team and a product owner, if they're just talking right past each other, I mean, that just leads to some really bad situations. So sure, we, I've seen, never seen a Palpatine show up in a, in a scrum team. Um, but you know what? We do see quite a bit um, in, our, in our travels. You know, we see product owners who try to assign work. We see product owners who try to create division in dev teams because they're trying to gain influence. We, you know, we see some of this stuff play out. And uh, I think it, this is you know, one of the many reasons why I think a good scrum master is so effective is that you know, they can see that happening quickly. They can pull their, their product owner aside and say, hey, buddy, you know, we, we really need to talk about this. And, but man, if no one's watching that relationship, I think Palpatines and Cobra Commanders can pop up all over the place. 
I think I, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, so Cobra Commander and Palpatine, obviously, you know, we're using these examples. They had uh, they had some like let's say evil uh, intentions. Uh, I, I I don't think a vast majority of the product owners that end up in that state where they're assigning work and being very uh, dictator like uh, really intend on being that way. Right. Uh, I think that oftentimes it's done out of fear. So if you think about the people that the product owner has to talk to all the time. You know, um, they want to appease and please the customer and come up with new and innovative I ideas that they can put into the product backlog based off of those conversations. And they've also got stakeholders breathing down their neck, right? Um, oftentimes, uh, they have stakeholders breathing down their neck. So it's really hard for them to get kind of caught in the middle of that and just forget about the dev team and just shove that stuff down on it uh, because of the stress that they're under. So I don't Do think, think that anybody's initially... With that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Do you, think, do you think Palpatine or Cobra Commander reported to a board of directors? I don't think so. I think they were the sole decision maker. You think so? <laughs> yeah. I, think I mean, so. someone's but, paying for everything, right? I mean, it's still someone else's money. Yeah, that's a good point. But hey, that let's take it in that direction, Ryan. So if it is somebody else's money, is a product owner then given the authority, the proper authority to do their job? If they don't own that budget yeah so this is another one we run into right that mm -hmm. uh we talk about this in the book quite a bit here's a shameless plug if you haven't read the book yet fixing your scrum practical solutions for common scrum problems uh we definitely uh, cover a lot of these topics and even more um but yeah if it isn't the so we talk about this quite a bit uh or we have uh in the past where um if it isn't the product owner's money, that's a problem. And, and one of the things that we've talked about doing, because we see this a lot, right? We see the proxy product owner. We see the product owner who's unable to actually control the direction of the product. We see um, not having the, the budgetary control that we would expect to see. And so one of the things we talk about, or at least I talk about in the, the classes that I teach, and I know, Todd, you go down this path too, is that, you know, as a scrum master, you know, if we've got a product owner who doesn't own the budget, find the person who owns the budget, Go camp out in front of their office, visit them every day. Like stop in and say, hey, we just want you to know since we're spending your money, here's exactly how it's being spent. Here's what, we're, what we've been up to. And after a few days, you're going to find that this stakeholder, usually a VP of some kind, they say, hey, this is all really great information, but I'm super busy. I don't have time uh, to spend every day with you. And, and our reaction, you know, the Scrum Master and Product, you're right. Yeah, we don't want to bother you every day. We, you know what, if you would let us make decisions of 10,000 or less without having to come talk to you, we could probably end up just talking to you once every two weeks. How does that sound? And you make this incremental progress, but the implication here is huge. And I know uh, this is a big thing with you too, Todd, that with the scrum master role, then if you think, if you think through that example cleanly, our primary goal is to get the product owner promoted, right? So can you imagine going home and telling your wife, Hey, I had a great day today. I got someone else a promotion and more influence and more money. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And I, so I think that's what's really hard about being a scrum master, right? Uh, you know, the, and really, so I would argue too, that we talk so much about how a scrum master is a servant leader. And, and so what you're describing there is servant leadership, you know, putting other people's interests above your own. Don't you think a product owner is a servant leader or should exhibit those same qualities and traits? How come we don't yeah. talk about that a lot? How come we don't talk about a product owner as a servant leader? I, I totally think we should. Like, I, I think a product owner, I, you know, Scrum at its core is a service-based framework, 
-hmm. And so we expect, you know, the, the development team works in service to a product owner. You know, the scrum master works in service to the product owner, the dev team, and the wider organization. That product owner works in service to the organization and stakeholders and users and, and customers. So they're serving the customers. Like, like when a product owner creates a product backlog, they're creating basically a backlog of needs that a customer has. They're, they're creating a backlog of things that would make a person's life better. They're, they're creating a backlog uh, of things that will have an impact on the world. When they order that product backlog, they're ordering it by, by, they're expressing value. They're showing what could be valuable to those people that they're serving by ordering that product backlog in a way that takes all of those people's issues and ideas and accounts uh, to bear. And then we get this order, we get this product backlog. And as a dev team executes on that, they're working in service to a product owner who has hopefully kept you know, all of the, the stakeholders and customers and users in mind. I mean, you would, all, you would expect that. Um, but it may not always play out that way. Yeah, this is making me think. So as a scrum master then, what if I teach my product owner servant leadership or coach or work with them and understanding what servant leadership in, is and get them to think about serving their customer above all, right? Their service is exclusively to their customer and everything they do, they do is in and for their customer. Uh, that's not to say, you know, we just talked a little bit about the development team, the communication there that we need to work with as a scrum master and make sure that that is at a good place. Um, but what, what if, what if we had, what if, think about all the product owners that you've dealt with through time, Ryan, uh, and what if they were servant leaders to their customers and that was, they put their customers above themselves. How do you think that would turn out? So I think they would show up differently. So right now, and, and you get this too, I'm sure, where you know, a lot of the product owners come to us and say, how do we write better user stories? Yeah, and that's right. always kind of a bummer. It's a bummer question. Like, look, that's a, <laughs> that's a very minor part uh, of your role. And you know, we, we spend a lot of time in our book talking about how as a product owner, you're, you are crafting ideas and solutions that make people's lives better. Um, you are there to to do all these, but unfortunately it comes down to the story. If we actually got this idea of service injected into the product owner role, I think you would see, um, I think you'd see product owners spending a lot more time um, with their customers, with their users, trying to figure out not just how do we keep a dev team busy? How do we, how do we build the best product backlog ever? I think that what you would then see is how do we work in a way collectively as a scrum team, collectively as an organization, that puts the, the most important things of, of value to a customer out first, because now we're impact driven. Like we're, we're trying to be uh, more people focused. We're trying to be more outcome, outcome based. And I, I think people would all have to show up differently if, if they really believe that, you know what I mean? Absolutely know what you mean. And uh, so it sure, it sure sounds like that's a thing that we should work with as a scrum master to your product owners. Right. I mean, to me, it seems like it. And I, uh, I can't think of a product owner really that has exclusively taken that stance. Sometimes I think of product owners and I've seen product owners that are incentivized by something, you know? So uh, oftentimes we talk about as scrum masters, we talk about the, the difference between intri intrinsic and e extrinsic motivation. I see a lot of product owners that are extrinsically motivated to get a good bonus. Yeah. 
or right. extrinsically motivated to please a particular stakeholder who has additional influence in the organization. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Talk to me about that more, Ryan, because that, how much does that happen? Right. The, or the, the person that yells aloud us that has the biggest budget is the one that gets what they want. Right. So is your product owner really empowered then if that's happened, if they're a, let's they're an order taker from, from highly paid stakeholders. Yeah, it, it's tough too, right? So I, I've been in these executive roles where, so as a VP, if you walk in a room and sometimes it's totally accidental, like it, again, it's most people are not Cobra Commander or Emperor Palpatine, right? <laughs> I think most of the time it, it's really incidental, accidental things. And I'll give you an example, right? I once walked into a room and, and I, multiple scrum teams were meeting. Like, so I, it was one of the coolest retros I've, I'd ever seen actually. Like um, multiple scrum teams who kind of, you know, we still hadn't quite gotten to truly cross-functional. We still hadn't gotten to truly self-organizing. You know, we were kind of in that that middle zone. And so, you know, the the many teams who might have had some dependencies on each other were, were meeting for a group retrospective. And I walked in and I was just like, hey, everybody, I just want to let you know, you know, the, the last sprint review was amazing. I know you're about to kick off a retro. I'll get out of here because I know I shouldn't be here. But just want to make sure you knew, like, everyone appreciates what you're doing. You know, it, it was really, I was trying to do, like, a nice, nice talk as a VP and what I, I made an offhand comment and I said, you know what? Um, they really love this particular feature. And if we see some more movement on that, I think you're just going to see just some delighted people. And I, and I left it at that and then left. And what I didn't realize was I totally torpedoed that, that event. Like I, instead of talking about their relationships and the way they were working together, suddenly they start talking about, all right, so product owner, get in here. How do we, how do we leverage this new feature? How do we, you know, and, and they were shifting things around and they're, it kind of spun out of control based on a, an offhand comment that I made. It really, I, I wasn't trying to change anything. I was just walking in trying to say great job. And so it was really, really bizarre. Yeah. And it's interesting. So that's a, that's an interesting perspective, Ryan, because uh, I know you, uh, you have a lot of experience in the, in the executive leadership space and you're the course steward for professional agile leadership essentials course at scrum.org. Um, but I've been on the reverse side of that, right? I've been on the side where um, I've been a product owner and I have, uh, I've, I've taken that and I've heard that and I've been like, I, I, I have to do this. Uh, I'm, I'm getting, uh, uh, I'm not going to get a paycheck unless I listen to what Ryan just said there and I'm a product owner. So guess what? My entire plan that I just had, I'm going to throw out and that's what I'm going to do right now. Yep. Um, so I feel like, you know, much as in we talk about a lot in our book and we're not, we're not trying to selflessly plug this. This is just our, you know, a thing we're trying to do crap root agile, right? By the way, pause out. This is a delicious beer. I'm halfway, <laughs> more than halfway done with it. Um, I think scrum masters need to step up and this is where they serve the organization, right? That executive comes in, that Ryan comes in and says that with not intention in a bad way. I'm sure you weren't saying that in a, in a bad intentioned way. Um, but you walk out of the room and, and probably don't realize what cause and effect you had by just saying that, right? So, oh yeah, totally, totally oblivious to to the impact yeah. I had until later when I saw, oh, we reordered things and we totally tried to fix this, and I'm just like, whoa, whoa wait a minute, wait a minute, guys, totally did not mean that at all. Yeah. Exactly. And so what, what does a scrum master do then, Ryan? So you're that executive, right? Uh, you, you know, I'm a, I'm the, I'm the product owner in that regard. You're, you're just one of my stakeholders. Uh, put yourself back in those shoes and think about, um, 
let's let's try to think about what the scrum master could have done maybe not right then and there cuz i i would i would caution to say that i don't think a scrum master should have stood up to that ryan in the middle of that room and been like you shouldn't say that ryan like that's probably not the the appropriate thing to do but what what could you do as a scrum master um uh, to to help i guess guide that kind of organizational thing moving forward what what would yeah. you do I think it's a it's a one on one conversation much later on where we mm -hmm. have a discussion about, you know, hey, uh, you know, executive. So so put me in the scrum master role. Right. And maybe I've had one of these first a little courage <laughs> walking in the door. But um, pretend that pretend that's happened. And uh, I might walk in and say, hey, what kind of impact do you think that uh, that interaction had? And the executive like might say, you know, I went in there to inspire him. I wanted to like let him know that we really appreciate him. And I'm like, that's really cool. But when you called out a particular product piece, do you think that they ignored that? Or do you think they spent the rest of the event scrambling to figure out how to make you even happier? And that might lead to, I think it's a series of questions. Like I can't, mm -hmm. you, you absolutely hat. should not. Coaching yeah. yeah. Coaching hat, hundred percent. You are not a mentor in this space. You're not going to teach anybody in this space. It's totally coaching hat. And by coaching hat, like, and again, that's a super squishy kind of kind of concept, I think, in our world, man. I, I think it's we need to be real clear on this. When you put on the coaching hat, you're deciding that the people that you're coaching have the answers within themselves. And so all you're doing is asking questions, sharing observations, but you're trying to get the person to find the answer within themselves uh, and, and figure out ways for themselves to go forward. And it's a really hard thing to do because, you know, Todd, we're super opinionated people. I mean, you don't you don't sit down and write a book because like you're you're kind of timid about what you think about things. Like we we've given some very forceful opinions in the book about how how life and and Scrum can work. Wait a second, Ryan. I'm not opinionated. <laughs> That's my opinion <laughs> yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah, but you're proving my point. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to. Yeah, this is no, working. I, mean, I think. And so when we walk into the office with this with this with the executive, it's look how do you think that went? And what do you think the impact of talking about that feature? What do you think that was? And, and how do you think that might impact the next sprint? And, and what was your intention there? And you're asking a series of questions to maybe get them to realize that, wow, I really cannot comment on things like this anymore. Or if I do, I need to caveat it with, ah, this is not what I'm expecting. This is not what I want to see happen. I'm just really excited about the work. And I mean, the words, for whatever reason, the words from executives matter. Um, I think they it's do. positional authority. I think it's the higher and firepower. I think it's um, a combination of human dynamics. And so when I'm in a scrum master room, I'm really coaching them to be very, very careful about the words you use. Uh, be very, very clear about your intentions behind your statements. And even if there's, if there is doubt, there is no doubt, right? So um, even if you think there's doubt, there is no doubt, whatever that, that quote from Ronan, however it goes, I'm sure a, re a listener will now a viewer, uh, we'll leave viewer, a comment yeah. and, and correcting me, but I mean, it, it's just, we have to be super explicit. Like, you know, it, it leads into so many other topics, right? So as an executive, I'm supposed to help remove assumption. I'm, I'm supposed to help remove um, any, any, um, any things that are not, anything that isn't explicit, I'm trying to make it explicit um, so that we remove this ambiguity from, from the way that we're working. And it's just such a difficult, uh, practice to adopt. I mean, it's why we have a two-day class, right? We have we put executives through the PAL-E because 
we want them to realize that words matter and their role is important and the things that they do and say and help the way that they serve that team um, can change change everything you i can't my mind's drifting because i can't help but think of something i can't help but think of ryan the executive walks into the room that's palpatine right and there's <laughs> there's todd the product owner darth vader right yep. <laughs> to kind of circle back to our earlier conversation. But this, this is all really important stuff. This is all really important stuff because so many times, how many times have you walked into an organization that says we are really struggling with a product owner role? Oh, all the time. Yeah, we, uh, and then you hear uh, just like, you know, we were just on a, a call earlier this week with, uh, with the awesome uh, Detroit Agile user group. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you do if your organization wants to take all business analysts and make them product owners? Right. So yeah. is there a Palpatine somewhere? Cause that's your real product owner, right? Instead of many Darth Vader's and that this is not to insinuate that your organizations are evil. I think we're just having a little bit of a fun with, a with our, with our question that we came up with before. Um, but, but this is really important for scrum masters, like scrum masters, you need to attack this. This is, this is your area of focus. If this is happening in your organization, work with my product owners, work with my organization to bring this product owner role into empowerment. Yeah, this is this is the trench run on the Death Star, right? This is the scrum master in the X-wing taking the shot. This made me cough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I, I I agree. When we see these these patterns, but so people keep oh, this is like the value of a scrum master, and people get really worked up. Like, well, we don't have full time scrum masters because we can't justify the value. There's value everywhere. Right, having a, a scrum master, a competent scrum master. I'm not talking about um, what we're seeing on the market today, where basically anyone who's gone to a two-day class calls themselves a scrum master. I'm talking about a person who has embraced this role. I'm talking about a person who loves teams, who wants their teams to be wildly successful, and who has zero tolerance for anything in the way of their teams. I'm talking about that true servant leader, a competent professional scrum master. Like the impact they have on the organization is immense. Like they can, they can watch these relationships. They can make sure that, that teams are working uh, productively with a product owner. They can make sure a product owner understands how to fulfill their role uh, and to do agile product management. They can make sure that every organizational impediment that's slowing down the, the scrum team, that that's being addressed by leadership. They can partner with leadership to help address them. Like there's so many things we can do. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the insight we had about the book. Where it's like halfway through writing the book, we realized, holy cow, the majority of these these anti-patterns that we've cataloged and we're trying to solve come from a, a scrum master who's apathetic or a scrum mm -hmm. master who's given up or a scrum master who yeah. is honestly not, who doesn't understand their role or who isn't fulfilling it. And it cannot say this enough that like a, a professional scrum master in your organization can solve or at least identify most of the things that are happening and partner with you on how to fix them. Yeah. Ron, I've got a problem. What's that? My beer's empty. Oh no, dude. Look, yeah. I have one. One more sip. And so, so that's that, the rule of, of craft brewed agile, right? Yeah. When we you want to tell them the rule? I think I think we actually just came up with the rule with five minutes before we started this. And you came up with it. So I I feel like you should share it. I think um so Todd and I can talk about Scrum forever. We can talk about Agile forever. It's not just a Scrum show. We're gonna get, we're gonna have a beer with some some Kanban people. We're gonna have a beer with 
um, so some liberating structures, people, we're going to, we're going to diversify this. And so you'll see some episodes coming up where, you know, we're not just going to talk about our book. We're not just going to talk about scrum, but you know what, when the beer is gone, that's our time box. And so our glasses are empty. So Todd, uh, I think pretty interesting episode one of craft, craft brewed agile. Again, the, my beer this week, off square brewing crown point, Indiana, 65 South. Uh, I give this Pilsner, um, Four out of five story points. <laughs> How about you? Yeah. So this is a cosmic nod again, South County, Fawn Grove, Pennsylvania. Um, are, are we using uh, Fibonacci? Well, four is that Fibonacci. No. So I'll, I'm, I'm going to give this a 13. Okay. Uh, which is probably because Ryan's a different team. <laughs> we're, a different, not gonna <laughs> we're not going to compare. We're not going to compare. So I give this Don't a 13. To, yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. A, and uh, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know what our cycle time on these beers were, but we'll maybe we'll attack that in the in another in an upcoming episode. How do but we I, do? I, yeah, I would say this is an experiment, right? This is episode one, so we absolutely want to hear if this is something that uh, that you like or if that's interesting for you. Um, yep. We are going to have episode two coming up here pretty soon. We've got some pretty cool guests lined up for that, maybe potentially. Yeah, no, I, th I think we're locked in. So I think the liberators are going to join us uh, in the next day or two. You know what? Let's be honest. We have a lot of free time right now. Yeah. I think we're going to have a lot of time at home, right? Uh, coming up. And so we're going to, we're going to make the best of it. We are going to continue to talk about these topics. I'll tell you what, if you want to leave a comment in the top or a comment in this video or hit us up on Twitter at Ryan Ripley, Todd, what's your Twitter handle? Todd underscore Miller 11. Hit us up. Let us know. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll cover a topic that's important to you, but only within the time box of a beer. Yeah. Beer's gone. The show's over. Todd, thanks for doing this, man. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Same with you. I hope you didn't enjoyed it. Dude, I loved it. I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing this. And so for the, for the viewers out there, check it out. Uh, subscribe. Hit that little bell um in the youtube channel so you know when we go live maybe we'll start taking some questions we'll watch the uh we'll, we'll, we'll watch the chat but for now all right buddy excellent beer cheers man yeah we'll, we'll cheers. hit it again next uh, we'll hit it again next time sounds great hey it's ryan if you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into scrum with me and todd check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening, and scrum on! <laughs>